Welcome to the CoreCast, where we interview Jewish leaders and discuss issues relevant to the Jewish community in Canada and around the world. I'm your host, Richard Rabkin. Welcome, CoreCast listeners. This is Richard Rabkin. I have with me today a very special guest. Mrs. Karen Sitnik is the senior principal at Eitzchheim Girls. Mrs. Sitnik, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit about you and your background before we get to your current role at Eitzheim Girls. Um, could you tell us where you grew up, where you go to school, uh, things like that? Sure. So I was born in Montreal, but I moved to Toronto in the early 80s, late 70s, like a lot of the a lot of the people. So I was born in Montreal, moved to Toronto. I went to Jewish Day School. I actually went to Bialik, which is right across the street from Eitzchayim. And I was, I'm a graduate of Bialik, then went to Chat for two years, then switched over to Opana, the B'nai Akiva School, for two years. Did one year of seminary after high school at a Lubavitch seminary called Beis Chana and Tzvas. And as you can see, my religious journey has <laughs> changed over the years. And then I came back and enrolled in New York University at the dual education curriculum. It was a concurrent program, but I also did the Jewish education option, which allows you to work on a Bachelor of Arts, also Bachelor of Education, and then a certificate in Jewish education. So you can teach both Judaic studies and general studies. I'm certified by the Ontario College of Teachers. Then I did my master's, went back, and then principal's qualifications from U of T. And along the way, I took some extra courses in things like uh, mentoring, coaching, mental health and well-being, just to further education because I like to consider myself a lifelong learner and I love school, love learning. So did you know, I want to be a principal of a Jewish school? And if so, how does one come to that conclusion? It's a very good question. I actually, it was very hard to leave the kids. I love being in the classrooms and sometimes being a principal, you get bogged down in a lot of the day-to-day -day operations, budget, things like that. So I, I do miss that part. I loved being a teacher. I loved being in the classroom. But then I felt that I wanted to go into leadership, help lead others, work with more stakeholders, parents, teachers, lay leaders. And I decided to go into leadership and had some people encourage me along the way, especially when I was taking my master's degrees. Some of my coaches and mentors said, maybe you wanna consider taking things in leadership. And at first it was a little bit, no, I'll just coach some teachers because I really enjoy and I felt, you know, you could share your expertise, visit classrooms, be very open. And then it just went into the principalship. So I imagine there were some roles in between there where you perhaps had some varying levels of responsibility. Could you kind of describe those a little bit? Sure. So I've actually taught every single grade in Judaic studies between one and eight and every single subject except for grade eight Gemara. Okay, pretty and impressive. And in general studies, I've taught selective grades. Um, honestly, if you ask why, I'm assuming it's because the school that I was in, they put you where you, you're needed. And I was needed in Judaic studies. I have a passion for Judaic studies and I was put there. Then I took on the role as lead teacher, PLC, which is professional learning community leader. And then I was a vice principal for four years and then went into being principal. 
And how was that leap first for you to go from, I guess, teacher or vice principal to principal? Uh, there's an expression, it's lonely at the top. So I imagine, I know that you have a very capable staff and there's obviously head of school as well, but um, how was that transition for you? It wasn't an easy one, especially since you have to have, we call them those courageous conversations where you have to let some of your friends and colleagues know about things that they're not doing up to standard and you sometimes have to review the expectations and have those difficult conversations. But uh, I look at it as in terms of the kids and children centered and what's best for the children, what's best for education. and. It sort of puts things into perspective. You have to make decisions that are thoughtful and really meaningful, and you have to use your best judgment to do what's best for the kids. So basically you were able to say, at the end of the day, whatever is best for the kids is the best, is, is the decision that I need to make. Yes, and over time I learned that uh, not everyone's gonna like you and you're not always the popular one, making the decisions that everybody likes. It's very difficult to please everybody all the time. I do not envy you or anybody <laughs> who, I mean, you know, I'm in, I guess, Jewish public life also, but not to the same degree and not under the same microscope that a principal such as yourself would be in. I don't envy it. I'm sure it's quite challenging. Um, okay, so when did you start, when did you assume your role at time the, the leadership role? So I'm now in year two. Okay. And last year I took on the role as a general studies principal at the Viewmount campus and this year I'm the senior principal. So let's talk about what you did in that first, you know, whatever it was, six months a year and obviously going forward, but, but what did you do at the beginning? What did you see as certain you know, challenges that needed to be met and how did you address them? So some things, it's difficult being new and often people will say, oh, this is just an, another administrator coming and going. So what was important for me was to build those relationships, to get to know your staff, get to know your parents, get to know the students, get to know the culture, and make changes slowly. So for instance, reviewing curriculum, making sure that everything is at a very high standard, um, not accepting, well, this is how we've always done it. Um, so tell me why we always do it that way. Why do we have to do it that way? So uh, it's sometimes nice to have a set of fresh eyes so you can question and really, I took on the general studies curriculum, mapped it out, worked with our staff, got to know the families, the kids, and really it, it was quite nice. Um, we also had an added piece of the merger. So that was known that it was going to happen and but that's where the north campus and the south campus merged into one branch so maybe explain to listeners who who aren't familiar with the intricacies of Eitzheim so what do you mean by merger so um Eitzheim sold a campus and the it had three campuses it, has, it had three campuses the boys campus starting in September 2020 will be moving to the Spring Farm location that's the one in Thornhill and then all the girls from the Spring Farm location from grades 2 through 8 have come down to the Viewmount location and now we formed one school called Eitzheim Girls. So a lot of last year's I'd say vision and mission was to work on being Eitzheim United, how you to unite both campuses, working on building those friendships uh, there shouldn't be a difference between you're a north person, you're a south person, really getting along and taking the best of both worlds. And how has that gone so far, do you think? 
I actually think it's gone better than expected, which, uh, you know, we expected some bumps in the roads, but I have to say the girls have really merged beautifully. I find the families are supportive and seem very happy. The staff is also learning a lot of things. Again, it goes back to, well, we've always done it this way. And now there's a It's Chaim Girls Way. There's no more Spring Farm Way, View Mountain Way. It's, this is now the new way we do things. And we really are carefully, I work very closely with my partner, Mr. Kamlos, and with the preschool director, Mara Ali Menzelewski. We work together to try to really see what's best for the students, what's best for our families, and best for the girls in the long run, the future. So can you maybe describe a little bit about the necessity for this merger? Uh, I understand um, some of the bits and pieces that I've read and, and heard, but, but it might be nice to hear from you. Why was it so important uh, for Eitzheim to sell that campus and then merge the, the two schools? I think it's just being fiscally responsible. There was definitely a deficit and, and uh, this way we can pull together funds and really work with what we have. And uh, when you merge a campus, you know, you have less overhead, you have less, you have less admin, you have less administrative staff, you have less custodians. It's really to save money. It's something that I think is not just in Eitzchayim. I think it's in many of the schools and just a something that's reflective of the Toronto Jewish community. Can you maybe help us understand why it's so expensive to run a Jewish school? I know parents probably think, wow, I'm, I'm paying so much in tuition. How is it possible that they're not able to run effectively on the amount of tuition that I'm paying? This is, you know, probably a sentiment. Uh, you're on the other side. How can you kind of help bridge that gap and explain to those parents why it is the way it is? It's a, it's a very good question. I think a lot of it has to do with the cost of tuition and how many children are on subsidies. A large number of our families receive subsidy that we're very grateful for. And uh, the school needs to bring in extra dollars in order to keep things running at a level that we want. That's one of my biggest challenges is being fiscally responsible, but also not killing the product. We want to have the best Jewish education, the best general studies education, the best programming, but you don't want to cut. We need to have special ed resources and everything is so important. And that's why I, I'm, we just really need to work with what we have and do the best we can. Okay. So let's go back to that first year or so of, of, kind of assessing the situation. It sounds like you spoke to a lot of people, teachers, parents, and what have you. How did you then both see what needed to be done aside from the merger? And then how did you implement those changes? So first of all, it's important to have a clear vision and to communicate your vision to your staff because the teachers are the ones who are at the forefront of the classroom working with the kids. And it's important that we're all on the same page. So we talk about excellence in education, but what does it mean? It means, you know, high quality learning, types of questioning, 21st century learning, which is all the critical thinking, curiosity, creativity, and collaboration, working on skills that students need for the future, uh, STEM and technology. Um, 
it's Chaim is not going to shy away from technology. Obviously, it's filtered and up to the standards of the school in terms of Derech Eretz, Yerush Shamayim. However, we need to make sure that we're using it properly and we're cutting edge because I can guarantee that a lot of our sister schools, if you've spoken to their educators, are saying the same things too. They want to have excellence in education, professional development for teachers, making sure that the product is excellent. So we have to make sure that we deliver what we say we're going to do. So can you maybe give a few examples in that as- in, in that respect, specifically about you know either STEM or, or- high tech or whatever it is, but but what is Itzheim doing, or, or even more generally, what are schools doing today to prepare kids for, you know, a different environment, uh, not the one that, you know, maybe we grew up with, with just, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic was sufficient, but what other things is Itzheim doing to prepare, Itzheim girls doing to prepare students? So it's that whole collaborative piece of working with others. It's huge because now even when you go for job interviews in the corporate world, you hear that um, it's not only questions about yourself and how you succeed. It's all, they might give you a problem that you need to solve on the spot and uh, they're checking how you collaborate with others, how you're thinking. It's process oriented, not just product oriented. And we wanna train our girls so that they'll be prepared for that. In terms of technology, we have um, more blended learning and personalized learning going on in our classrooms, which is different than differentiated learning. Differentiated learning is where you take the same curriculum for everybody and then you differentiate according to the students' needs. Personalized learning is where students have the voice and choice. We're giving our students more voice and choice, where they're picking areas of interest, their strengths, working in those areas, receiving data and assessments right away, using that data in order to drive instruction, to make the next decision on what they should do. Giving students also greater independence to take ownership of their learning. And it happens even in the younger grades. It's not just something for middle school. It's even in the younger grades, children are starting to set goals for themselves, be reflective in their learning, make decisions, and really be proud and are able to articulate. We call it visible learning or making learning visible. It's based on research also by John Hattie. And so we want students to be able to tell you what they're learning, why they're learning it, how they're learning it. If they are stuck, where do they go for help? And really give them the tools to be able to come up with the answers. And this is not just a general studies thing. It's also in Kodesh as well. So would you say that you have implemented and you've seen kind of the fruits of those labors, so to speak? Definitely, and we're definitely very data-driven. We use the evidence to inform our our next steps in teaching and learning. For instance, we check Shorashim, benchmarks in Musagim Beyadus. We are constantly checking um, online. We have programs that tell us that. Part of also this blended or personalized learning is stations. So we'll have a teacher doing, let's say, a guided reading lesson in Kodesh Ornchol or having a mini lesson with a group. You'll have one group working on the computers, another group doing some individual work. It's not necessarily your traditional classroom, but we find that meaningful and rich learning is going on. So basically what you're saying is you're using best practices, you're using data, 
and you're trying to implement things that you know work or have seen work and you're seeing that they actually do work. Definitely, and an added layer is also that an administrator comes in and then do our regular walkthroughs, then we meet with the teachers and we discuss and we reflect with the teachers together at these, I don't want to say weekly, uh, it's more once every two weeks to be realistic. Uh, you know, we meet with the teachers, we discuss, we go over their needs. How can we as administrators best support our teachers so that our teachers are able to really deliver these phenomenal lessons to our students? And not just for the administrators to give support to the teachers, but we also try to deprivatize. In other words, it's not just the teacher in her classroom. Now that there's two of every grade, they're able to collaborate with one another, go into each other's classrooms, give feedback to each other. And we really want to promote the culture of giving constructive feedback and to better the education of the students. It's really amazing listening to you. I'm really impressed. I must say, and I sometimes make this joke to people, uh, parents, friends who we sit around the shove's table and are talking about schools and what have you, that I, I always say, I guarantee you that my parents were never sitting around the table talking about me in school and, and so involved as, as we are as parents now. Um, and I f feel like as much as, as teachers, administrators are doing today, what is it do you think that parents don't necessarily appreciate and and don't know what's going on in school? I know the communication is obviously fantastic. We get emails all the time. But what do you think is the communication gap between what's happening in school and what would you, I guess, want the parents to know about what's taking place? I think one thing that maybe parents know, but maybe not all the parents know, is that we really discuss each and every student in the span of let's say three to four weeks. We have constant team meetings, meetings with behavior services, meetings with our special education department, meetings with the teachers because we really want to best support each student whether it's they need extra enriched material, whether it's a special program that one of them needs. We actually maybe it's also because of the size of the school that we're fortunate enough to be able to do this, but we really go through every child. So each child's needs are addressed. It's really amazing. I never thought that that was the case. And it could be that perhaps that's one of the reasons why running a school is expensive or more expensive than it was when I was a kid, because, you know, I, I don't think the caliber of the teachers when I was a kid was fantastic. And if there was an issue, I don't know how much the principals were strategizing. And I very much doubt that they were having a meeting about every student, you know, once every two or three weeks. Uh, I, potentially that we're, we're, we're in some ways, I guess, blessed that the the schools although they they cost more to run but we're getting this high quality of education would you think that that's true like if you could have some ways of measuring it that jewish education has improved significantly over the let's say decades i definitely think it has plus we have more resources now at our fingertips we're able to collaborate with educators all over the world. We have programming at school, like character education through the Chafetz Chaim Foundation and uh, long distance learning, Eretz Chemda. We have all these things that maybe perhaps in the past the schools didn't have, and we want to utilize them and really give the students a, a meaningful, rich experience. Um, another initiative that we've done is a 
working on communicative Hebrew. We want our girls to be able to come out speaking sentences. And uh, we know that it's even like teaching a young child. Like you don't show your baby charts and, and go over charts and charts of grammar. You speak to them, they repeat back. It's all about the conversation. So we're really having the girls speak talk to one another, engage with girls in other schools via Skype or other ways of communicating. And really, we have all these resources at our fingertips. We should be using them. What would you say is the goal for an Eitzheim girl? Or at least what is the goal for the school? They want to see a girl after you know, she's graduated uh, elementary school and she's off to high school and then, uh, and then beyond. What are the goals that you want and skills that you want the girls to have? So I've thought about this a lot, even before coming to Eitz Chaim. I really strongly believe, and I try to lead by example as well, that we need to give our girls tools to be able to function in the 21st century they have to have like the Torah and the Yerushalayim and the Derech Eretz and they have to be able to run a wonderful Jewish household. But if they want to be professionals and work in the professional world, if it's their choice, they should have the ability and skills to be able to take on whatever job or profession they wish. And we have to make sure that we give the girls the skills. So if I hear a girl tell me, I don't do math, or I, it, or uh, you know, this is too hard for me, or I don't need to know this, it's, it's tough to know. How can we support it? How can we make it interesting? How, I, I strongly believe it's just my own educational philosophy that every child can learn giving the right time and support. We'll just have to find a different way of how to reach that child. But we can't have girls going around thinking they can't do things. We want to empower them to be future leaders and Jewish women in the community. We talked about technology a little bit, and this is a little bit of a hot button issue, but yeah. what um, have you seen the students change over the years with respect to their use of technology? Um, and what would you say, I don't know, what's the current state of the use of technology and I guess specifically I'm referring to let's say smartphones or what have you so do you find that that's prevalent uh, the use of smartphones is it an issue has it affected attention spans all the things that we read about in the newspaper what are your thoughts it's a very good question I personally think we can't stick our heads in the sand and say that it's not going to affect uh, our Jewish girls and our community and we need to be able to train children responsibly on how to use their phones and use the these tools it's I often think about a car when your son or daughter turns 16 you don't take the car keys out and say here's the keys go drive you know you, you give them driver's education you practice with them they, they get their permit not in that order but that you know you don't just expect them to know how to drive but then we go and we buy phones for our children and you expect them to know how to use it I think we need to carefully filter carefully carefully monitor I also believe in being partners with parents. I think parents should also set some rules and expectations at home that we strongly recommend. Something like uh, maybe only charge it in the kitchen or not by the child's bed at night and be aware and filter things. But uh, we do have to train our girls and boys, but we do need to train them so that they're using these tools properly and respectfully. 
So maybe we can drill down a little bit yeah. on that. Um, so uh, number one, you know, what is the, is there a rule at the school, for example, allowed to use smartphones, not allowed to use, is there a rule either at home or at school or at both really? So the rule is no social media. But you get into issues, I'm not so tech savvy with WhatsApp or certain chat groups. And so we have to be very careful. So we tell the girls, like at school, there's no social media. However, I'm also a strong believer. I, there might be other administrators that disagree with me. So I'm saying this as a from me that what happens outside of school does impact school culture and so if i hear that let's say one girl posted something negatively about another girl i tell parents give me a screenshot uh i will follow up but i need to have the information many parents will think it's lush and horror or they don't want to talk but really if it's going to impact school culture and i have girls who are upset uh, i feel the responsibility that i have to deal with it so you so basically the rules no social media and you will follow up if there's something negative are girls allowed to have phones at school so the school this year has asked that they use smart um like a kosher, kosher phone, phone not a, not a smartphone and have you noticed a again as i mentioned before you read a lot about this differences of attention span or or I guess other other things that may come from smartphone use. Have you noticed that over time? I don't think it's just smartphones. I think it's in general. Uh, we now learn more by experiencing. You know, we, you read about all the research on design thinking and maker spaces, and this is now how we want students to think by doing. So when they're on their phones or on the iPads or on any other digital device that they have, I'm hoping that they're learning and they're teaching themselves. So I like to use technology and sort of spin it to the positive and use it to help enhance a lesson. It's not the lesson, but it can be a tool in order to enhance. I see. So basically what you're saying is that kids are changing, but we need yeah. to adapt and teach them in a way that suits them better. Um, you know, every school has some challenges. And uh, I'm sure its time is not unique. So what um, what specific challenges do you think the school has for, f you know, um, whether it's perception or whether it's just a, a, you know, a business consideration that they needed to, to make as as with respect to the, the closing of the schools you mentioned, like what issues are there in general? We'll call them macro issues that the school is facing and any ideas or direction that the school may be going in in order to address them? So I think being fiscally responsible and looking at the resources of what we need and using the resources and allocating them properly so that we're not neglecting an area of need um, is one huge thing on a micro macro level. I also think another challenge is you have to have a clear vision and I think the vision needs to be articulated so that our fam the families out there know what Eitz Chaim is. We don't want to be the school that, okay, we're not this Hashkafa and we're not this Hashkafa, so I guess we'll go to Eitz Chaim. We don't need to be the school by default. We want people to choose Eitz Chaim because of its wonderful education, because it's wonderful Torah learning, because of its wonderful... Uh, and community. Like, we want it. We have to build that again because I'm not so sure word in the street is like that. And we want to make sure that it's a school of choice. 
So ultimately, that's what you're saying—a positive vision um, that people should feel like this is a school that I'm that I'm choosing, um, rather than this is a school that I'm going to do by default. Um, what other things are you either trying to implement now, or maybe if you look down the road, whether it's one, two, three years, or maybe even five, ten years, what is your vision for for eight time girls? So. F- Again, we're doing this in small steps. This year we implemented a lot of the data-driven instruction. We made small groupings for Evreet and math in Evreet starting from grade three all the way up to grade eight and in math in grade seven and eight. These are fluid groupings where the girls are able to really concentrate on their strengths and build and learn. Um, ideally, I'd love to do that more and just continue with the personalized learning and grow that vision. We, we talked a little bit about it before, we, about the deprivatization. I really want to see a culture where teachers collaborate with one another, have time to really re- be reflective of their lessons, where administrators can support, parents give their input. I, we want to invite parents into the school. We've made a conscious effort of trying to make our programming in the evenings or on Sundays. We, we are mindful of working parents and we want to just build the community and get that positive buzz out there that it's time really is a wonderful place. I think there are a lot of wonderful things going on. Maybe we need to market ourselves a little bit better, but it's, it's really, we have great staff. We have a wonderful admin team, very supportive head of school and board that wants us to succeed. And uh, we have all the right stakeholders. And now we just need to see how it plays out. Well, I mean, just from my perspective, it looks like you're going in the right direction. And certainly the school is in good hands with both you, Rabbi Schwartz, and all of the various administrators and board members. Um, it, it's, it's so refreshing and um, just gratifying to see somebody who's as educated as you and passionate as you to, to be you know, pushing the school in the right direction. So Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Karen Sitnik, thank you very much for coming with us and speak to uh, on the Corecast. Thank you. Well, that's our show for today. I know it's so hard to say goodbye. So if you enjoyed the Corecast, you can find an archive of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the COR website at cor.ca. See you next time on the Corecast. <laughs>